growing skills gap, increasing cyber threats, supply chain disruption. Do these sound familiar? It's a tough industry to be in, and we're here to help. I'm your host, Caroline. And I'm your host, Doug. And you're listening to AWS Industrial Insights, the podcast for manufacturing and industrial business leaders who aren't afraid to think big. We interview executives from well-known companies to share their disruptive ideas and topics like leadership, technology, and innovation. So let's get started. All right, well, welcome back everybody. Um, Thank you for joining us for episode four, which is our final episode of the October Cybersecurity Awareness Month. It's been such a pleasure learning all of this information from you, Robert. So I really wanted to make this last episode a little bit more fun, um, a little bit less serious, and talk about some of like the myths that we hear in the industry. So um, during our planning call for this episode, Robert was very passionate about the Target HVAC story. So I just feel like we have to kick it off with this. So tell us, Robert, what happened at Target? Um. Well, first, let me just say, they've all been fun, these recordings. (laughs) So in no way am I anticipating this being the exception. Um, But let's absolutely talk about some of these myths, because I think a lot of the myths that are out there with regards to industrial IoT systems, unfortunately, misdirect us. They make us think in some directions which are problematic and you'll end up trying to solve a problem that maybe doesn't exist. And so to the story of the Target store, the hack of its point of sale systems and the heating, ventilation and air conditioning system. Um, It's a very compelling story to say that somebody went and hacked an HVAC system and from the HVAC system, they leapt over to the point of sale system where they in turn plundered uh, and abused uh, target customer um, credit cards and and so forth. I mean, it makes a good Um, news story though, at least. It's like uh, grabbing headlines. Absolutely. I mean, you imagine, you know, Mission Impossible stuff, somebody coming through the ceiling, you know, doing something to a thermostat and suddenly the cash registers all open and start spewing cash everywhere, right? So clearly not what happened, uh, much more mundane um, event. And so we have to think a little bit about uh, the, really the distributed nature of uh, large scale retail and what does it take to maintain all of these stores that are just all over North America. Um, so Target does not have a fleet of trucks and air conditioner uh, repair people that are just traveling around uh, America repairing things. They outsource that work to local practitioners. And in this case, they were in Pennsylvania um, and somebody, um, and credit to the attackers, just, just full credit to the attackers, they figured out who was doing the work here um, on behalf of, of Target. And what they did was that they found this particular um, um, air conditioning uh, repair service. They got into that organization. And then what they did was they went, they took the credentials 
of that organization when they go to submit their bills to Target because, hey, I'm going to do work for you, Target. I'm going to make sure that during the winter, your Target store here in Pennsylvania is nice and warm um, and that during the these humid summer nights, that it's going to be kept reasonably cool um, and you're going to pay me in return. So I have to submit um, a bill to you and then you in turn will reimburse me. Okay, so what we're doing is we are doing financial transactions. And it was through the use of that particular small local um, supplier, their credentials into that billing system from Target that they were able to make this leap. And you think about it, what's, you know, what's that point of contact? Well, it's about submitting a bill order and then getting paid. That is pretty darn close to a set of people who also have concern about what's our income. People who might be looking at the point of sale system. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which is, is a heck of a lot easier from saying, from my thermostat, I am somehow going to jump across uh, to that point of sale system somehow, some way, um, and do that because it's really super simple to segment those. I suspect that they actually were reasonably segmented. Um, but this is a myth that I will, I'm sorry to admit, I've even heard um, Cisco executives uh, uh, this year uh, make mention of. Uh, I'm not going to say who it was because I like my jobs, but. Um, We'll just say that um, it's a myth that needs to be busted. It literally came up in a conversation with my friends the other week at lunch. And I was like, I cannot believe we're still talking about this. And I got to prove them wrong. I got to tell them it was pretty exciting. Cool by so, you. Oh, thanks yeah. for thanks for spreading the true word. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I'm finally going to be able to fall asleep at night now. Um, all right. So that was, you know, our first fun one. But. I want to talk about a huge misunderstanding when people are thinking about like ransomware and like where is your factory most vulnerable. Everybody's usually making the assumption that, you know, they're trying to hack your PLCs. And this is a myth. So can you tell us a little bit about what are they actually going after? Sure. Well, to, to what, let's start with what's a PLC. Uh, a PLC is a pro programmable logic controller. It houses uh, both communications in terms of I.O. to this either sets of sensors, um, which note the state of our process. And then we've got actuators out there, um, which will take action. Uh, between those two is some set of logic and that logic sits in the PLC, which says, gee, if my uh, if the pressure in this particular componentry of the system is at five PSI, we're going to use um, non-metric values here. Um, and my target is six PSI, then I potentially need to increase the rate of operation of my pump here by 20%. I'm making things very linear. And thus I can reach my target. So the PLC has that logic in place, which suggests that it is in some ways a mini computer. It's absolutely taking in inputs, it's doing calculations, and it's sending commands to rectify or continue the state of things. So that's the PLC. Gee, sounds like a computer, right? Um, 
like any other computer. Well, it's really not a particularly sophisticated computer, at least not with what you and I are used to in terms of browsing the internet and doing spreadsheets and other types of stuff like recording podcasts. So it has a very limited set of compute capabilities. It's running specialized operating systems in many cases, and it's not the kind of standard compute platform that has generally attracted investment from attackers. Um, attackers wish, like most of us, to be reasonably efficient. And what they may understand, or they may not, because and honestly, my belief is that these things began by accident, um, is that I could spend a lot of time investment trying to figure out exactly how a PLC works. And what I might be able to do is cause damage. I might be able to cause a negative impact to uh, my target's quality and outcome and so forth. Um, but that requires a lot of special uh, knowledge and highly crafted um, um, activities to go down there. And the way I'm going to get there is I'm going to come from the top of the factory. I'm going to go make my way into the factory. I'm going to make my way through the factory down and eventually hit this particular target and create impact. Well, along the way, within that factory, I'm going to be passing a whole bunch of Windows boxes. And it's those Windows boxes which actually tell that PLC what needs to be done, and it's also receiving information with regards to how that process is working. Windows boxes are ubiquitous. What does they that mean? They are everywhere. Ah, okay. So everywhere you look, you're going to find Windows boxes, um, including the one I happen to be talking to you through. And as such, Windows is a wonderful and frequently abused target by malware slash ransomware. And I'm going to emphasize ransomware here because we've got the concept ransom, which means um, you will pay me money and I in turn will free you, right? That's, that's a ransom, what's a king's ransom and so forth. Um, I will free you, in this case, I will free your Windows systems from my grip. Okay? I'll free I your you the... Windows 80 from my grip. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and so in these particular cases, this is the attacker A, having a particular goal. I wish to make money. You know, key bene, who benefits when I do this? Well, if you um, can take control of these things, you will, the operator of the factory, will shut down the, the factory just out of safety concern. As we talked about, I think in the first episode, safety is job number one. If I've lost control of what would be referred to as level three in the Purdue model, that high level control space, then I will very frequently shut down the rest of the operations just out of safety concerns for my workers and my environment. So now if I take control of that, I have the opportunity to make money because the owner of said factory is incented to get back up and running again. Um, they will either invest in someone coming in and cleaning up the infection and re-imaging things, or perhaps I pay an intermediary who promises to get things taken care of and that intermediary in turn pays off the uh, ransomware gang. 
So what I'm hearing you say then is that, you know, we think they're going after the PLCs, but what's actually happening is they're going after the software above it. For the most part. And it's like any kind of Windows thing, because some of the componentry uh, down at the lower levels, uh, such as HMIs or just some local compute, maybe running Windows. So those are clearly um, potential victims. Um, but I don't necessarily have to go that low. If I just hit um, all of these Windows-based systems that major automation vendors um, have built upon, uh, honestly, the same technology stack that you're going to have at your local library, um, your garden variety malware works perfectly well. And thus, uh, we have an economy of scale. I can hit lots and lots of different targets with my standard ransomware. I don't have to customize anything in particular. And so my, very much like the manufacturing environments themselves, you know, the more I can produce with a broader variety of appeal that works everywhere, then the better off I am. So um, that's why there's no point in doing this really kind of exciting PLC attack because it doesn't really benefit me well and it scales poorly. <laughs> well, I'm really glad we know that. And uh, I think that's definitely a very common one. I've heard that kind of, especially like throughout events when people are talking about it. So you give a really yes, good- Stuxnet, uh, Stuxnet, Stuxnet, yes. Exactly, it is, yeah. I mean, security in general is really sensitive. So, um, you know, we're so lucky that we were able to have you on the podcast for all four episodes. Robert, we really appreciate it. So before we wrap up, my one last question for you is not in regards to industrial companies, but more like your personal security. Just curious, you know, like people give you tips, like, you know, when you do your passwords, make sure it's a bunch of characters, uppercase, lowercase numbers. Do you have any like personal security rules that you live by that everybody should do too? Well, I'd hate to say that whatever I happen to do is something everybody should do. Um, I will acknowledge um, I write down my passwords in a little book. You write them down on paper? I write them down on paper. Really? With a pen. But there's like I password managers. I guess if those there get are hacked. password managers, and those password managers um, often work very wonderfully. There have been instances where they themselves have been uh, targeted successfully, and um, my little book is not something that someone could uh, reach through over my networks and actually ever have. To a look at. Interesting. Maybe I'll have to try that traditional method. <laughs> That's actually very surprising to me, but I like that. It's very old school. I'm here to surprise you. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, Robert, thank you so much. And, um, you know, looking forward to seeing you at the next event. And I as well, Caroline. Thank you for tuning in to AWS Industrial Insights. If you want to learn more about today's episode, head over to the blog for a list of featured resources on this topic. You can also find today's blog in the episode description and also on our website at aws.amazon.com industrial podcast.